This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A Athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country, Eric Cohen and Shane Dale on what is a just an amazing week in Arizona athletics, really is. Uh, we are recording this on the 24th anniversary of what is now the, well, it's what's the greatest moment in Arizona uh, sports history. And the, the most famous words in Arizona sports history, Simon Says Championship by Billy Packer on CBS when calling the Arizona what, win over Kentucky. What you just heard in our intro about a minute ago. Yes, Simon Says Championship. Assuming you didn't skip to this point. But we're not talking about the men for once. This is all about women's basketball to start the show because they're in the final four, Shane. They're in the final freaking four. Amazing. And I, you know, we have had Ari McDonald on. We've had Coach Adia Barnes on. We've had Kate Reese on. And we've had Sam Thomas on twice. We have covered this team throughout. At the beginning of the season, I said, you know, final four bust. But Elite Eight seemed about right. Final four. I, I mean, how stunned are you with this development? There are so many ways in this in which this is improbable. Uh, let's start with how the team was playing going into the postseason. Uh, on offense, on defense was defense was never a problem with this team. Nope, never. Defense was fantastic. Offense, they couldn't score. They'd go five, six minutes without a field goal or, or longer than that. They limped into the NCAA tournament. They they got beat by a very mediocre ASU team toward the end of the season. They had to rally to beat a at the time winless Cal team. You think, okay, maybe they get a couple wins. We feel good about a Sweet Sixteen appearance. Uh, and then, of course, they had to rally to beat BYU. It looked like with four or five minutes left in that game in the second round against 11C BYU, the season's over, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's a disappointing finish. Then you look at the bigger picture, and you think about where this program's come from, which I know has been talked about ad nauseum, so I'm not going to go into it. But you know, from six wins three years ago to the WNIT to an NCAA tournament appearance last year, had the tournament been played, to going to the Final Four and beating two very good teams along, not just beating them, but beating them handily. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't trail against Texas A&M or a very good underrated Stunning. Indiana team. Stunning. And you, in the you, second half. Now, you said, Shane, I did not make a pick on the A&M game. You said Arizona is probably not going to win that game. And you know what? I agreed with you. I thought it was. I thought you were right because A&M, even though they had played two close games, we know the talent that they had. We mm-hmm. thought, you know, Arizona's had a good season, made the Sweet 16. And then they got lucky in a way that Indiana knocked off NC State. So things really opened up for them, which is great. Yeah, and I, let's be clear. Indiana is a very good team. Yeah, in, in terms of the, in terms of the net rankings, uh, Indiana was actually in the top ten, better than Arizona. Uh, there's a reason Indiana was favored in that game, even though they probably shouldn't have been in hindsight. Obviously, uh, but I think what we discounted is the fact that number one, Ari McDonald is a star, and she stars turn out in big moments, and that's what she's done. And you know, I got a chance to ask her a question after they they beat Indiana to get to the Final Four, and you know, I asked her, you know, the reason why you came back to Arizona after you could have gone to the WNBA, is this right now the reason? And she said, absolutely. And she wanted to prove people wrong. And she said, people said I couldn't shoot. Well, look at me now. She has that swagger that I think is contagious with her teammates. And they play suffocating, pain-in-the-ass defense that I absolutely love. Aaron McDonald and your girl Sam Thomas are fantastic. And they're going to need so much more of that against UConn. I love as as much as I I cringe to see them going up against UConn. I love that they get the opportunity to beat the best program in the history of women's college basketball. Uh and and maybe even in men's aside from UCLA. Uh they're going to go up against uh Paige Beckers, who is a freshman for UConn who does everything well. She scores, she passes the ball, she steals. She leads her team in steals, in assists, in points. She shoots the three ball well. She shoots well from the line. Arizona, probably a combination of Ari and Sam Thomas, are going to have to find a way to shut her down in order to have a chance. But I'm thrilled they get the opportunity. And Arizona's playing with house money right now. Right. If they lose, it was a fantastic season. You lost to the best program in the history of women's college basketball. If UConn loses, it's 
how do we lose to this team? Because the expectation at UConn every year is a national championship. Yeah, I'll be honest, Shane. I don't. <laughs> this is going to sound awful. I don't care what happens on Friday. I don't. I, I'm so satisfied with what I saw in the last two weeks. I just, I mean, what they have done. They, they when they went out in the Pac-12 tournament against UCLA in the in the second round in the semifinals, and then they had. We asked Sam Thomas about this. They had a two and a half week break before their next game. Right. I was a little worried they were going to lose in their first game. And then they go and they win. They get to the Sweet 16 where, you know, they, they were lucky to face an 11 seed BYU in the second round. And we're like, okay, well, that's, that's good. They got to the Sweet 16, which is about where we expected later in the year after they lost to ASU. And then A&M, they win that game, as you said, never trailed. And you're like, all right, well, oh, wait, uh, NC State lost? Oh, cool. All right, well, then Arizona should be favored. Yet they were favored against A&M, but not against Indiana which mm-hmm. you never know when it comes to the gambling lines. And so I, I really thought going to that game, and I, I'll be honest, I, you know, I don't know a ton about women's basketball. I said Arizona's going to win this game. And I put my money where my mouth was. So for once, there was not a, a jinx, a Cohen curse, a Cohen jinx. Uh, I had Arizona, um, and I was glad to, uh, to win that. And the girls on, on uh, Friday night are getting 13 points from UConn. Um, I don't, I'm not going to predict the game. I think... Right now, you can. I mean, what you said, Shane. Yeah, we know it's a tough, a, a tough opposition. I'm going to say this. Here's my key to the game. I don't think UConn will score below 70 points. I think I know they did against Baylor. They scored 68. I think they're going to score over 70. So for Arizona to do that, they're going to have to. For Arizona to win this game, 71 is the magic number. If Arizona gets 71 points, they're going to win. That's the key. Mark that down right there. Well, they're getting hot at the right time, like Adia Barnes said. And it's interesting because of the dynamic between the two schools. It couldn't be any different. Can you think off the top of your head, Eric, of a college program in any sport that has had more success and has higher expectations year in and year out than UConn? The only one I can think of maybe is Alabama football. Yeah, I would say, uh, no, I would say UConn's even above that chain. I would agree. I would agree. So here you have UConn. And Dia Barnes said this after they beat Indiana in her post-game press conference. She said, there's no pressure on us. Nope. We're having fun. You know, all the pressure – and she didn't say this, but basically I think what she was alluding to is all the pressure is on UConn. You know, their expectation, their fans' expectations every single year is national championship or bust. Final four, that's nice. They've been 13 years in a row. This is the baseline for them. Arizona – is thrilled to be there. They're playing their best ball. The the confidence that Ari McDonald exudes just it permeates throughout the team. They're making smart plays. Uh, Trinity Baptiste, who is having her best basketball of the entire year right now, that they're all doing their part. They're they're not all shooting great, but Ari's making up for that. And then some. Hopefully, her ankle, by the way, is okay. Yeah, she right. that late in the Indiana game. But it, it's you have a, a UConn team, the 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 classic blue blood who. It's it's win or or bust or it's a disappointing season versus Arizona, which is just thrilled to be there, having fun, going to play loose. That's why I think they have a shot against UConn. I'm not bold enough to to pick them, but I, I if I had to bet on it, I would I would certainly think Arizona would cover the spread if not, for no other reason. It's probably going to be a lower scoring game because that's the kind of games that Arizona. Oh, I plays. think I think you're going to see a higher scoring game. I actually think if they on. do, if it's a higher scoring game, they're not going to win. I said 71's a magic number. Uh, in my opinion, over-under is 127. I think UConn scores at least 70. So I think Arizona, I mean, Ari's going to need to score 30 again, as she's done two games in a row, uh, to get that win. Also want to shout out, I think it's Helena Pueyo. Um, had a big three-pointer, and there was another one. I don't know if it was if it was uh, Benadou uh, hit, hit that one. Benadou Yaney. Benadou Yaney, thank you. And, or, and, and Helena Pueyo, um, they both hit threes. It was a tie game in the fourth quarter on yeah. Monday night. They both hit threes, and then Arizona suddenly had like a nine-point lead. It just it, you just felt like they're gonna they're getting over the hump. And let's be honest here, as Wildcats fans, the men's team had been to five straight Elite Eights without a win. Mm-hmm. So I think we were all expecting in that fourth quarter on Monday night, we're Wildcats fans. We've watched enough basketball, men's and women's. We this is going to happen again. This is just going to happen again, and it was different. And I'm so proud of these girls. I I, I cannot – whatever happens on Friday and, and maybe next Sunday if they were to play Stanford in the championship game, who cares? They are heroes. They will always be heroes uh, when it comes to uh, Arizona athletics. They will be in the Wildcats Hall of Fame 
within a few years uh, for making the Final Four. And forever, there will be a banner in McHale Center due to the accomplishments of these wonder- of this wonderful team. Listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe as of now, the only women's basketball jersey hanging from the rafters in McHale Center is Shantanese Polk, right. who passed away. Uh, I actually got to cover that team in 03-04, the last really good team yep. that Arizona had. Aaron McDonald's jersey is going to go up with her. It should be very, very, very soon. Very hey, just soon. Do it. There's just no do it next doubt year. about it. She is the the best athlete on campus. And we have a lot of good athletes, and then including, I would say, right behind her would be another female athlete, Jesse Harper. Right. But Ari McDonald is the most dominant Arizona basketball player, men's or women's, since I would say at least Derek Williams in his yep. second season at Arizona. Year, I don't think there's much. Ago, yep. So proud of you, uh, Arizona women's basketball. We've been uh, really enjoyed talking to the players in Adia this year, uh, following you, and thank you for making us proud. But, Shane, I was so excited about this. I didn't even preview what's coming up on the show tonight. That's a lot of football talk. Matt Moreno, senior editor of Go AZ Cats, going to join us, as well as former Wildcats running back Keola Antolin, a name from the past that we hadn't heard from in quite a while. Really looking forward to catching up with Keola I remember his breakout game well. I believe that was so 2008. Yep. And we will talk about that and what he is up to these days. So we're really looking forward to finding out info uh, about, you know, from, from both Matt and Keola. Uh, leading into Matt's interview, though, Shane, uh, the football team, it's spring practice. Um, we have seen kind of a quarterback derby there. Will Plummer, Gunnar Cruz are the guys that are heading that. Just overall, from what you've seen, there are only four practices deep. What what are your early impressions of of the Jed Fish era? I well, first of all, you know I'm not there. You know we both have day jobs, so we we're leaning on guys like Matt and others to fill us in. Uh, but you, you certainly love the energy and the access. It, it feels like a breath of fresh air, which I guess it always kind of does when you have a new coaching regime. So you have to take that into account. But I think the level of enthusiasm, the level of access that you see media get, uh, and then the fact that we're going to have. Uh, and Dave Hickey mentioned his Wildcat Wednesday newsletter that came out just before this uh, recording. They're going to allow up to 5,000 fans at the spring football game on, on April 24th. So you have that kind of excitement. You know, there are certain guys that look great. Matt Moreno is going to talk about that. Uh, you know, he's mentioned Drake Anderson. I think Gunnar Cruz has, has been fantastic and some other guys on the defensive side of the ball. But you have to remember they're going up against their teammates. You know, you have to always have to grade on a curve. You know, if a, if a running back looks fantastic, for example, you have to remember, well, he's probably not going up against great competition. So uh, I'm going to lean on these other on, on Matt Moreno and others to fill us in on that. But I certainly like the without having going down there. And I think we would like to make a trip down there soon. Uh, the vibe seems positive. I think the coaches know what they're in for, but I think that they're they're smart about that. They're going to be patient. And I, I think that it'll be more interesting, I think in fall practice when you have a full roster there, including Jordan McLeod, who could compete possibly with Gunnar Cruz or someone else for that starting quarterback position. But for now, I can't complain with anything. And I love the fact that, again, that Arizona is acting like its own TV channel, so to speak, in putting out regular updates, giving us access to Jetfish that we never got with Kevin Sumlin, and it makes us feel more connected with the program up here in the Valley. I don't think I've ever followed a sports program where a coach has done more winning without coaching a game than Jed Fish has thus far. It's really remarkable. Matt Moreno going to join us from Go AZ Cats, and then we're going to go right into the interview with Keola Antolin. Enjoy here on Wildcat Country. Shane, as we've been discussing, there's absolutely nothing to talk about in Arizona sports this week. I have nothing going on at all. Nothing. And, uh, yeah, so unfortunately, you know, Matt Moreno has nothing to uh, nothing to tell us that's interesting going on, only with football spring practice, uh, basketball, transitional moves, and a women's Final Four. I mean, you know, nothing going on at all. Matt Moreno, senior editor of Go Easy Cats, here joining us on Wildcat Country for the fourth time, I believe. So thanks for uh, coming on with us again. Uh, the number one story that I want to talk about, uh, the football team. You've been out to practice. You've seen how these guys are looking. Just tell us the vibe out at practice and how does that compare to what you saw under Kevin Sumlin. Yeah, it's been interesting. Obviously, anytime you have a coaching change, this is the third one I've been through, I think. Uh, I came right after, right? <clears throat> I joined when uh, I joined the site when Mike Stoops was on his way out during that kind of transition period. So I've seen four different head coaches at Arizona. And um, the transition is always interesting to, to pay attention to. And you always kind of get 
very similar feelings through each transition. There's always this renewed energy. It feels like it's clockwork. Anytime there is a coaching change, suddenly there's a renewed energy about everybody. And so we're kind of, it feels like in that phase when we view kind of how Arizona is approaching spring ball, um, the last couple of days of practice, you can kind of start to see maybe that honeymoon period is starting to end with the players where things are starting to get a little bit more serious. I think Jed Fish understands the tasks that he has on his hands right now. And the coaching staff kind of understands that has a little bit better idea of the players and the challenge that they have ahead of them with the players that are in place right now. Um, you're, you're talking about a team that's, you know, lost their 12, last 12 games, lost all five last season. It's, it's a, it's a tall order for this coaching staff. And I think the reality of that is starting to set in, but for Jed fish to his credit, uh, he's remained positive. I, I, you look at what they have out there at times and you kind of see that the, the team that they're working with and you go, man, he's going to spend some long nights in that facility and, and really have a lot of work to do. But the luster hasn't really come off for him yet. I think he's really enjoying being a head coach and kind of doing the things, being in charge. He's mentioned uh, that this week, even that, you know, he's, he has to kind of remind, remind himself that, Hey, I have to watch the defense and if they're doing well, that's okay. Uh, he's so used to just being focused on, on the offensive side of the ball being an offensive coordinator, being a quarterback's coach, that he's so focused on what the offense is doing that it, it it angers him when they don't do well. But he's going, hey, you know what? The defensive side of the ball is doing okay if we're not doing well. So uh, there has been an, an adjustment period for him. But so far, I think we're starting to kind of see maybe some separation with some guys, see who's standing out a little bit more. And, and so far, there's been a lot of value to kind of what we've seen uh, the first few days. Matt, what are some of the big takeaways from the quarterback group so far? I know they're not all there right now, but the guys who are there for the spring, what have you seen so far? I think the scholarship guys are far ahead, and and that's a good thing. I think that's what you want to see is you want to see those scholarship guys kind of have some separation. When you're talking about the scholarship group, uh, everyone, I think, Arizona fans was excited about Gunnar Cruz and what he could potentially bring. Anytime you get a new face in there, I think fans get excited about that. And so um, he's been impressive. For me, the first couple of days, it was Will Plummer, where you said he has this is his job. I mean, when you kind of saw out of the gate, obviously it's so early to call that and to say, you know, this is one guy's job over the other. Uh, but to me, Will Plummer, even though it's a new system, new coaching staff, he looked most he looked the most comfortable out there. And maybe that's should be expected. He's the guy, as little experience as he has, he has the most experience among that group. Uh Gunnar Cruz didn't play very much at Washington State. Kevin Doyle, although he's older, has not played at Arizona at all. Um, so Will Plummer is the guy who has the experience. And so maybe it is to be expected that, you know, he looked a little bit more comfortable. He looked kind of the most sharp to me of the group uh, through those first couple of days. And then Saturday arrived through some interceptions, kind of had some bad reads, had some mistakes, and he admitted it. And he said, this wasn't my best day. I need to go kind of review the film and, and see what I did wrong. And uh, in this, if you kind of take the totality of the first several practices, I think Gunnar Cruz has probably been the most consistent. There's nothing that he's doing necessarily right now that I go, wow, he's the guy. He's going to be the future of this program, but he's been consistent. And when you're kind of going through this transition of a new coaching staff, you just want that guy that's not going to make mistakes. And I think right now, if you look at kind of the totality of everything, I think what coaches are looking for, and they really stress this, is just accuracy is something they've been talking about quite a bit since they arrived and just being consistent. I think if you look at those two areas, Gunnar Cruz, to me, at least through the first several practices, has been that guy. Among some of the other newcomers, uh, Matt, you mentioned Drake Anderson, running back transfer from Northwestern, has really stood out to you during practices so far. What have you seen from him? What do you like about him? Uh, I like the entire running back group, to be honest. But Drake Anderson, to me, there's a different kind of shiftiness and just athleticism about him that I really like. I don't want to make this comparison because it's way too soon to do that. But there is some hints of J.J. Taylor within kind of his game. Uh, just in terms of the shiftiness and you go, wow, that guy just made a play that I didn't think he was going to make. He made a cut that I didn't think he was going to make and kind of springs him free. And so I've seen a few of those plays already in practice and they've had some guys out, had some guys that are working off to the side. So uh, some of these other players have gotten a chance to kind of do more at the running back spot uh, earlier in the week, uh, the second to start the second week of practice, Stevie Rocker looked very, very good for a true freshman who is arriving early, who came early as an early enrollee. He looked very, very good. And so he had a bigger opportunity. They have a couple guys out with that running back. So he looked very good. But as far as Drake Anderson, just to me, there's kind of a total package with him where he can kind of catch passes out of the backfield. You just want to get the ball in his hand, which again, reminds me a lot of someone like JJ Taylor, where you just want to get him the ball and let him go to work. And there's been a couple plays where uh, just that shiftiness, that ability to make an athletic play and make a cut and get up the field. Um, those are a couple of things that really stand out to me about Drake Anderson. I think he's going to be a very big part of this offense. Um, 
I know when I posted pictures, quite a few fans said he looks small. Someone said he looks like a 12-year-old. I wouldn't go that far. But he definitely does have maybe some size limitations that, that could be a concern, I guess. But for me, um, I kind of put him in that same kind of J.J. Taylor category where I don't think that's a concern. To me, he looks you know, built up enough where he can take that, that punishment. But uh, I'm really excited to see kind of how he progresses and see what he does once he's able to get in some games, which I think he's going to be a big contributor for this team. So uh, one area that I've heard that it stood out, Matt, is wide receivers. And Jalen Johnson's a guy that uh, sat out last year. Don't know much about him, I'll be honest. Um, but I hear, I hear he's been really impressive along with Jamari Joyner. Uh, Jalen Johnson is, is someone I covered in high school. Um, I saw him. I went out to one of his games towards the end of the year. They were playing a very good team. They had a few kind of uh, high power five level players. Um, and I came away going, wow, that guy's how is nobody else caught on to that? This guy is really good. Um, he didn't have a ton of offers. Um, he had some power five offers, I believe, but Arizona got in there and really made him a priority. And I came away from his, from his high school career going there. Some people miss, they miss something. Um, as Kevin Cummings said earlier in the week, you don't find the combination of that size and that speed in a lot of guys, um, especially at this level. Those guys are typically reserved for the Alabamas and the, you know, some of those top programs in the country. I'm not saying he's an Alabama level player, but the skill set and the size kind of reminds me of someone that you would see at a different, a different school. And so um, he's looked very, very good. He's, he's, he's run routes very well. Um, he has a lot of athleticism. He has good size. And, and I just think, He's someone that I think is going to be someone everyone has to pay attention to. And um, he didn't play last season, was suspended. Kevin Cummings talked about it a little bit uh, this week with us and said his his main message to him is just kind of handle your business. Do everything you need to do off the field in the classroom to to stay this course because, I mean, he he didn't he wasn't shy about his comments about Jalen Johnson, called him amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And so to hear that from your coach on the fourth day of practice is a good thing. And so I think for him it's going to be about just, you know, keep, keep – kind of forging forward and making sure that he does everything he needs to off the field to make sure he stays on it. And once that happens, I think he's going to be a big factor in this offense and someone they can turn to. Jamari Joyner is making Jamari Joyner plays. I mean, he's just making one-handed catches, doing everything that you expect from him that you saw from him, you know, in the ASU game when he kind of uh, finished up his first season as a receiver, when you saw what you saw from him in that Colorado game when he was making highlight catches. And so um, he didn't have the greatest season in 2020 coming off that foot injury. I think that kind of hampered him a little bit. He looks healthy. He looks to be in good shape. He looks very confident. I think that's something he's kind of going into his third season now. And in, uh, in terms of being a receiver after making that transition has a chance to kind of, I think, feel comfortable in, in who he is and what he is to this team. And um, I think you can sense that right now where he just feels like he's a leader of this group. Um, Kevin Cummings talked about them. He said they have probably about six guys right now that are, ready to go that are playing high level football. So you figure Jamari Joyner is part of that group and feels like he has a pretty good chance to really contribute and do a lot. Pretty interesting for a guy that was at one point, 100% going somewhere else uh, in the off season. I believe that was the quote and yet he stayed and, and he's one of my favorite players on the team. So I'm really happy that he's going to be here. This is just a sidebar question. Uh, Mayjon Wright uh, left Arizona and uh, Shane's been a big fan, went to middle Tennessee, didn't last there. Uh, there are some unofficial rumors of him maybe coming back. What do you know of those? Uh, it's it's a little bit murky right now. I think it'll be very interesting. I don't know the true answer in terms of what it means for his eligibility. As far as I know, he started classes at Middle Tennessee State, was already there. And so then you wonder, well, is he going to have to sit out another season? Because even if you pass the one-time transfer rule, you've already transferred. Right. And you're coming back to the same place. So it is, it's going to be this big circle if he does end up, if he does end up coming back to Arizona. Uh, it's going to be kind of a mess, I think. But um, it'll be also interesting to see how he factors into everything because you look at guys like Stanley Bearhill has looked very good in spring. I mean, some, one of those guys that just kind of flies under the radar but continues to produce, played very well last season for Arizona. He's looked very good. Um, Jalen Johnson, Jamari Joyner, you just wonder how he factors into this receiver group when there's already you know been a few practices uh, ahead of him and players ahead of him. Obviously, if he has to sit out, you kind of change the story a little bit. But uh, if he is able to get eligible and returns and all that, uh, I don't know that he kind of is a shoe in to get it back onto the mm. onto the kind of rotation that he was in before, and so interesting. It'll, be, it'll be interesting to see kind of how he fi- how he figures in because he is very talented. I thought he was arguably their best receiver last season, and someone who brings a lot to the table. So we'll see how it all shakes out, but uh, it's a very interesting situation for sure. He is a, a favorite of one Shane Dale, so we will <laughs> see if uh, he comes back. Uh, one w- one question: switching to the defensive side of the ball, Don Brown seems to have this authoritative approach where everybody listens what are your impressions of watching Don Brown as a coach thus far during uh, spring ball as advertised (laughs) in every way 
Um, you hear the booming voice. It's nonstop. I mean, it's it, he's the players know when he's talking to them, and, and it's very clear. And so, um, it's it's a hundred percent pedal to the metal, and that's very interesting to see. I think a lot of fans maybe said, "Oh." who aren't familiar with Michigan, who weren't familiar with Don Brown said, Oh, what's, what's this old guy going to do for us? Dr. Blitz. How's that going to work at Arizona? And how's this all going to come together so far? It looks like it's coming together. The defense earlier in the week had a pretty solid showing. Uh, the defensive line was very impressive, which has been kind of a, one of those up and down things for Arizona over the last you know decade or so, where it just finding a consistent defensive line, uh, getting pressure from that defensive line has always been a little bit difficult. Um, they look good. And so uh, there's definitely going to be a different style of play for Arizona based on what we've seen so far. They could be changing everything once the season arrives, but uh, even with kind of a limited group to work with, a lot of the you know key transfers haven't even arrived yet um, on the defensive side of the ball. Someone like Treshawn Hayward is not here yet. He's going to be a big part of what this defense does at the middle linebacker spot. They're working with uh, DJ Morning kind of in that spot right now. Um, but uh, once those guys arrive, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what the next level is for the defense as a whole. But to me, for fans that have been saying we want more pressure, we want to see Arizona blitz, we want to see them do different things. Those things are coming based on what we've seen so far, and I think it's it's been successful. Your concern is what happens on the corners and in the secondary when you're bringing so much pressure. You're going to leave those guys, you know, on an island and, and ask them to do a lot more. But I like what they're doing at that cornerback position, and I think it's it's they have enough to run what Don Brown wants to run, and I think that's one of the positives to take out of the first few days of practice. Matt, let me ask you about the 22 class while we have you. Uh, a handful of commits so far and a couple of guys already from the Phoenix area. You had Grayson Stovall we've had on this show, uh, offensive lineman out of Hamilton. And then uh, one of the top recruits in the state, uh, Tristan Monday, linebacker out of Saguaro, I believe. Arizona's first commit from Saguaro High School in like 20 years. You mentioned a while ago how difficult it is to make inroads with in-state recruiting. Is Jetfish ahead of the game? I know it's only a couple of, of commits, but is that is that a good sign for Arizona going Very forward? Very good sign. I think he's really kind of pushed all the right buttons. I think those efforts uh, to get involved with the high school coaches in Arizona, I think, is paying off. I think for a lot of these recruits, we'll still see what happens with the top-end guys. A lot of those guys are still going to move on and go to different states. We've seen it with some of these other guys that are cutting Arizona off their list and, and some of the top guys in the state who are cutting a lot of schools off their list from the West coast and are planning to go to other places. So I think that's still going to happen. That's kind of the next task for Arizona, but you have to start somewhere. Getting a player from Saguaro is big. Um, getting a player from Hamilton is big. And so I think uh, when you look at kind of what they've done and, and the the process that they've gone through to really try and start to make inroads within state prospects is working. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. But I think, they put a lot of effort into it. And for a lot of the prospects that aren't those top end guys that are still very good, you have to continue to see, you continue to see that the talent level across Arizona is growing and you have some guys that are, you know, your average three stars. I know guys don't like that distinction, but those are still very good players. Um, and you, and sure. there's more schools from outside the region competing for those, for those players. And so I think for Arizona, it's about bringing guys like Grayson Stovall, uh, Tristan Monday to Arizona and keeping those guys home because um, they can play very good football and, and they're guys that can help and you want to keep those guys home. And I think for, for them, what they want to see is the effort. They don't, they don't want to see, you know, Arizona not being involved in the process. And I think that's the one thing you're seeing that's a little bit different with, with uh, jet fish and this staff is they're really putting in the effort to make it known that they want those guys to stay home. I think having so many of the transfers be players that had started out in Arizona left to go to other programs in other parts of the country and are now returning. I think that helps. I think, uh, high school recruits see that and go, I don't want to be that guy. I just want to start out where I'm supposed to be and, and continue my career with one school. And, and I think that helped. And so I think it's just all kind of snowballing and, and working in their favor right now. My last question for you, Matt, uh, any names we should keep an eye on as the 2022 class continues to come into focus for Arizona, any top uh, targets for Arizona that maybe have na have narrowed Arizona down as one of their top five or top 10. We should keep, I think Travis Gray is someone to continue to watch. He's an offensive lineman from Colorado. Um, Grayson Stovall is originally from Colorado, just recently moved out to Arizona, not too long ago. They're friends. They, they become buddies and um, are close. And there's that connection for Arizona. He's someone who just feels the attention from Arizona. And he's, I honestly thought he would be committed already. He visited on an unofficial, unofficial. They can't really see very much right now, but his plan is to take an, a true official visit in June uh, when everyone is anticipating that things will open up a little bit more and the dead period will come to an end. Um, so he's someone to continue to watch. 
Trevon Howard is a defensive back from Minnesota who's playing at IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, he has Arizona as part of his top five. Um, he's someone to continue to watch as well. Um, there's a handful of guys that are definitely really looking solid at Arizona and continuing to kind of keep them. But Travis Gray is someone who, when you talk about the size and and the type of player that Arizona is looking for, he's about a six foot eight offensive lineman, which is kind of the next level for them. They've been able to get those guys that are six three, six five, six six. Getting a six eight offensive lineman would do a lot for a pro style offense for a coaching staff, uh, offensive line coach who was just with the Seattle Seahawks, Brendan Carroll, who is used to having taller offensive tackles, taller offensive linemen. They want to kind of build that right. thing out. And that's something to me um, that is kind of the next level for this program. If they can start really building up that offensive line, I think that'll do a lot uh, to help them kind of get out of this rut and start to win some games. All right, Matt, we can't have you on the podcast without asking the inevitable question. Sorry to do it to you. Your gut feeling as of tonight, uh, will Sean Miller be at the University of Arizona next I year? I believe so. At this point, I... Again, it's difficult to say with the people who are making the decisions, what could be true tonight could not be true in two days. I mean, it's just one of those situations where um, I don't see the benefit in waiting this long and then firing him or moving on from him. Um, You know, I mean, you obviously you knew by the time the Oregon game came around what you were going to do or you would at least expect the people in the administration to know. So um, obviously Robert Robbins kind of came out and, and. uh, put out his statement says Sean Miller's our coach next year, or you know we're moving forward with him, whatever he said, but didn't really give a clear kind of confirmation that he's going to be around, you know, beyond this next season. So um, I do think it's a mistake to to leave a coach on a, the last year of his contract. I understand the the situation and the circumstances are a lot different than maybe other situations like this, but because of the NCAA stuff that's kind of still hanging over their heads, but I don't think it helps you in any way to let a coach go into the final year of his contract. I don't think, I think we've talked about this before a little bit, but I don't think it's as big of a hindrance on the recruiting side as people think. Um, The the process is still about getting to the NBA for a lot of these recruits, and and they still view Arizona as a place that will help them get to the NBA. Um, As we've seen with James Akinjo, he's declaring for the NBA draft. and uh, He'll be back. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where he was here for a year and saying, Hey, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to at least test the waters in the NBA. That's kind of how Arizona is still viewed. That's kind of the thing that Sean Miller's trying to get this program out of. He wants those guys to stick around for a while. Um, So I don't think it's going to be as big of a hindrance to recruiting as people think this year with transfers and guys coming in and maybe anybody else they pursue to get on the roster for next season. It's beyond that um, is when it's really going to start to make its impact. How can you sell a 2022 recruit? when you don't really know if you're going to be here for the 2022-23 season. I mean, it's just, it's too difficult. It's it's something negative that you just don't need. Um, I, so it feels like Sean Miller will be back. As I mentioned, the administration knows what they want to do at this point. If they're undecided, that kind of gives you your answer anyways. Um, so it, it, I don't see a, a pro to waiting this long and then letting him go or parting ways with him. Um, I think people forget there is another side to this. If you're Sean Miller and you maybe have some other options, Maybe you decide, hey, I just don't want to be here anymore because I don't feel like I have the right kind of confirmation and support of, of my administration right now if they're letting this thing play out this long anyways. So um, there's a lot of layers to it, but but I think it's 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 a lot of just unnecessary negativity for the program in terms of the the recruiting battle and, and trying to you know build this thing. And if that's what Robert Robbins says he wants Arizona to do, it's difficult to do that without a contract extension for your coach. And so without some kind of finality about what's going to go on with his future. Matt Moreno, senior editor of Go Easy Cats. He is an encyclopedia of information when it comes to everything Arizona football, basketball, and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us once again. And I'm sure we will have you on for the fifth time sooner than later. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. excited about this one Shane is I, I like to say that every week but this one I'm really excited about because this is a player who I, I mean I remember his breakout game back in 2008 uh without further ado Keola Antolin running back from the University of Arizona joining us and I was trying to think of my my first memory of you and it was 2008 against Cal and I don't yeah. think I knew going to the game that Nick Grigsby was out and you come in the game and we're like who is this dude and you know you're playing against Cal who had two NFL running backs on the field in John right. Best and Shane Vereen, and you were by far the best player on the field that night. What do you remember about that that outing? Uh, well, you know, like, as a freshman coming in, I was like, oh, I'm going to get barely playing time, you know. But, you know, 
guess my number got called, and after that, I went out there and balled. That's all I did. But <laughs> it's crazy because uh, with two time, I was like, hey, man, you got this, man. I know you just come into a big game. You know, they, they was ranked at that time. I think they was ranked. 25th. Was it 25th, right? 25th, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like for a young guy like me, it's like, well, you know, it's a right team coming in here, you know, and then, you know, nervous and stuff like that. But what it was like, oh, don't worry about it, man. You just do what you got to do. Like, just like what you did in camp. And I balled out. The crazy thing about it is, like, I didn't know half the plays. We really had to tell me the plays every every play. It was, really? It was crazy, yeah. 21 you carries, know? 149 yards, and three touchdowns. You had a 59-yarder. And we're yeah. like, where'd this guy come from? this guy, yeah. Where'd yeah. Stoops find this guy, you know? And you had right. a great career at U of A. You really did. You had a, you had a great four-year career. So we're glad oh, yeah, to have you. But that, that game I will never forget. That was a fun game to watch. Well, let me also like add, game. Eric, that was the first game I attended at, for, in a long time. Really? And I remember Nick, I remember Nick Grigsby started that game. He fumbled. He didn't see the field. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. He fumbled, and then it gave me a chance to go in there and just, yep. just play, you know? But yeah, I I, re- I remember thinking like yeah, I hadn't heard of the, heard of this guy before, and then you know you guys it was an upset too because like you said Cal was ranked and yeah. you were really part of that that team that freshman year of yours in 08, the Wildcats finally turned a corner. It was a long time coming. There were a lot of rough seasons in there. What was it yeah. like to be a part of that turnaround at Arizona? Oh, it was you know it was amazing. You know uh, Stoops is a, a hell of a coach. You know I like I didn't really know anything about Stoops until. Uh, because I would, a guy that I played in high school, DeMarco Murray, everybody knows DeMarco Murray, uh, he went to play for the other brother. And then the head coach at the time that I was at school was good friends with uh, Bob Stoops. And he's like, you know, we got this other Stoops guys in Arizona. And then he was like, you know, he's doing big things over there. And then I went out there, my first recruiting trip, and then I ended up falling in love with Tucson and came out there. That's the only trip I did for my recruiting trips. So you had a chance to play uh, with a couple of, I would say, the best quarterbacks in the history of, of Arizona football. Uh, Willie oh. Tortama, you mentioned, and then Nick Foles after yep. that. Uh, yeah. Uh, what are some of the differences between those two guys, and what did you learn from both of those guys playing with them? Uh, Willie is more, um, you know, he's, a, he, he's one of those speaker type guys, you know, and Nick Foles is more of like, you know, even though he's from Texas, but he got that, you know, that relaxed, calm dude just going in there like, his balls, you know. Like, of course, with two and how balls out too. Uh, playing with them guys was just it was it was nice because uh, they were like I said, my freshman year, I didn't know barely the plays, you know. <laughs> Coming in is a different type, you know, terminology and all this and all that. And then Willie comes in and helps me out, and uh, he just a, a leader. They're both good leaders, and that's what I really learned from both of them. You know, just from two different perspectives, uh, you know. More vocal, Willie Tutama, and Nick Foles more of a I lead by example type guy, you know? You played on probably during the best stretch of Arizona football since the Desert Swarm, since the 90s. You know, uh, 08 to 10, you guys made bowl games every year uh, yeah. and, and were ranked every yeah. season at, at one point, I believe. And what was your favorite year yeah. that you had as a Wildcat? Uh, I had a lot of good years. <laughs> My whole, uh, until I think my junior year was one of my favorite years. Was, what year was it when we was like top 10? You were, it was, it was your junior year. Ju- year. When we ju- beat, no, I, I think we beat junior. I, was my junior year? Yeah. That's why we did because Iowa came up, right, to uh, Tucson yep. and played us mm-hmm. in Tucson. I think that was that year. And I think that was the best year. Yeah, that was the, the most fun. Even though that we didn't win against ASU that year, but. No, you know, I think, yeah, that game was painful. That's the only that that's the only year. That's the only year. So yeah, I was going yeah, to say, say you went three year. and one against the Sun Devils. So I mean, that you know, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of guys since since the turn of the century who can say they beat the Devils <laughs> three times. Hey, if the year goes bad, as long as you just beat you know the Sun Devils, you're good. You know this that that rivalry. It's a big rivalry. Well, you also had a pretty good stretch during your junior year. You scored, scored in five straight games. Uh, Oregon mm-hmm. State, where they were – I think you guys were in the top ten going in that game. You lost that one. Yeah. And you beat Washington State. You had two scores that game. You beat Washington yeah. by 30. You had two scores there. You beat UCLA, yeah. uh, had 100 yards again there. And then uh, it was a big primetime game, I remember, against Stanford. Uh, you went mm-hmm. up. That was Andrew Locke on the road. Uh, and yeah. it was an ABC primetime. And that was kind of like the turning point for the Stoops era where things kind of went south, I feel like. Was there anything that happened before that week, or is it just uh, kind of a 
you know, the way it was. I don't really, I don't know. I don't really know because, because uh, that was the, that was that towards the end of the season, right? We played Stanford towards the end of the season that year. And then we went on to like, on like a five game losing streak going on to next year, I think, right? Because we, uh, we played, we played Oklahoma State in this. In the bowl game, Alamo Bowl. In yeah. the bowl game, right? So yeah, we had that five, I don't know, it just, I don't think it was really clicking as much as it was in the beginning of the season, you know, it just, that one, one, that momentum that we had was just gone for some reason. I don't know where it went. Yeah, that's what I – I just think that we just didn't have the momentum going on to the, the last stretch of the season and carrying on to that the next season. And it was this bad after, you know, Stoops got, you know, clipped. And then it was just – it was just tough, man. Let, let's, let's talk about a couple more positive things. And then going back to the Sun Devils, <laughs> uh, the, the 0-9 game, I remember it was a, kind of an ugly game. And there was one big offensive play uh, that, that Arizona made. Yeah. It was by you, a 67-yard touchdown run into the end zone where me and my ASU friends uh, happened to be sitting. Um, what do you remember about that play? And obviously, you know, the, the last second field goal to win that game. Oh yeah, I feel like every every game it was like a last field goal with, with it was AC. Close. Like a lot of a lot of games. every every like the past four games I played against it was like a field goal. But I remember that play. It was a it was a zone play. I still remember like I just it was a, like a zone to left. Let's say like a thirty to thirty five zone or something like that, right? And I just saw a big hole just open up and like our lineman had a good push. You know, it was just once I saw that hole, I just hit it as fast as I could and. By the time I'm knocking my head on the on the goalpost, so it was, made one little juke move, you know, and then it was gone. That's it. And fast forward to the 2011 game up in Tempe as well. Uh, I know that was a tough season, like you said. Mike Stoops mm. was let go halfway through. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of times in Arizona football history, if you don't have a good season, you look at that ASU game as your bowl game. Yeah, and and you right. scored a touchdown early in that game as well. Yeah, they end up. Uh, you guys ended up uh, pulling the upset. What What do you remember mm-hmm. about that game and just the team's mentality going into that one? It was like it was my senior year. I was like, hey, we, we got to go out there and just ball out. You know, even though the the season wasn't the way we wanted to go, uh, you know, all the seniors came together. It's like you know, we're just gonna just go all out of this game because because like that following week you played. Uh, I think. Was that losing at Lafayette? Losing at Lafayette. Yeah, it was a weird finish. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Yeah, it was a weird. It was weird, right? So, and then I was like, and they 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 came with all like the all black jerseys, man. It was it was that was a good atmosphere. The ASU game over there, and shoot, you know, guys made plays that we needed to make plays, you know, and then man, we I just I could I just couldn't lose against them my senior year. I just couldn't. We was gonna find a way to win regardless of what our season went through and. Like losing our head coach that year and all that. So well, and the thing about that game is Foles got hurt and Bryson Bernie had to come in. That's right. And it was right, like a, right. It was an improbable win because you're like, who's this dude? He hasn't played at all pretty much in four years, and he comes in and he beats ASU in the biggest game of the year. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, he threw a, he threw a screenplay to Geno Crump. I remember that play. Uh, it was a, like a wide receiver screen, and Geno just did a little shake and bake, and he was he was running down the sidelines. It was like it was crazy. Yeah, that was that was that was a fun game. It really, I mean, you had you were there during the best time that we've had here at Arizona football. Do you pay attention much anymore? I mean, is or, or do you kind of tune out now? Things have been a dumpster fire until recently. <laughs> I mean, how close are you to the program right now? And have you been involved in any of the recent alumni happenings lately? I haven't really. Um, well, you know, I was watching like when I left, like maybe like. Rich Rod era, you know, the Rich Rod era was – yeah, it was a really good era for Arizona football when Rich yep. Rod came out there. Yep. And then once Rich Rod left and it was just, you know, I wasn't really paying attention. But I definitely need to come back for a homecoming game. I've been dying to go back there. I just couldn't get a good time to go out there. It's been about like 10 years since I've been out there. Yeah, I need to come back. Well, the, the good news is they have a head coach now who seems to really embrace alumni for the first time in a while. So, uh, Jed Fish, you can reach out to him. There's a good chance he'll hook you up. But Oh, for sure. Uh, I, I, want, I want to ask you, go, going back to the, uh, the running back room there, because there were some great tailbacks in that era, including yourself. Yeah. Nick Grigsby, like we mentioned. Greg Mugogo, mm-hmm. who I think people tend yeah. to forget. And then, of course, Kadeem Carey, uh, who was a freshman, mm-hmm. I believe, when you were a senior. Right. Uh, what was it like playing with some of those guys? And, and did you kind of – Go from like being the, like the 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 mentee to the mentor during your career in the running back room. Uh, yeah, Nick and Nick was a really good mentor. Uh, you know, 
because he was still young at the time when he was really doing well. You know, his I think his freshman year, he came in and did like over a thousand yards, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I came in, and he was just one of the guys, like you know, just just keep working hard, keep grinding, you know, like the time will come. And hey, he was right. My time came earlier than I thought. So, and then Greg Greg Woko, that was my roommate in college. So you know, he quiet guy, a very quiet guy. You know, he just head down grinder. You know, and like you know, I mentioned him too because I played. You know, of course I played, and he was like, "Hey man, I need to know all these players." And Kadim Carey was just an animal. He's a beast. Uh, gifted, gifted running back, really gifted running back. He was just young, you know, like he was just like a you can't you can't tame a beast, man. He was just a young beast that's just ready to go and pop out his shell and stuff like that. And then once he did, when Rich Rock came in, look what happened. He came out perfect. just swinging out. Yeah, it was perfect. He just came out swinging out the gates. Can't teach that. He was just a his instincts was just crazy. His balance, oh man, it was a funny story. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Funny story is like, of course, like we was walking on camping. You used to see Kadim Carey on like on rollerblades, roller skates, man. He's like the only guy like rollerblading around the campus. I was like, really? oh, I wonder you, yeah, I don't wonder you like <laughs> had those good balance, you know, shift these type of guy. It was it's crazy. You well, still keep yeah, in? I'm sorry, Eric. I was gonna ask. Do you still keep in touch with some of those guys? I know you're not. You haven't really um, been part of the, I guess the the alumni group like like Eric. Mentioned. Yeah. You still keep in touch with some guys you played with back in the day? Yeah, I talked to Greg. I talked to Greg. Uh, I just talked. We had a little little meeting. Not a little meeting. A little Zoom thing with Matt Scott. We had Matt Scott, yeah. T. Hood. We had um, Timey was on there. Tutogi. Uh, Willie Mobley was on there. Hmm. Yeah, we had a couple guys. And I talked to Willie still. Still talked yeah. to Willie, of course. I still talked to Greg, of course. And then who was I talked to? I talked to Mark Wally. <laughs> If you guys remember Mark Wally. Oh, sure. Yeah. So many names I haven't heard in, in years. Yeah. It's crazy. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, oh, I still I, talk to Nick. I still talk to Nick too. I talked to Nick here and there. Yeah. And who and look at him. I mean, he goes out and win a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. He's done all so right. he's had he's had himself a nice uh, NFL career. You know, I I remember you as just a grinder, just a, a really dynamic player, but a guy who was really hardworking, who you could watch on the field and was giving it his all. How do yeah. you want to be? How do you want other Arizona fans to remember your play at U of A? Uh, I'm just one of those guys. Just like I really don't. I really don't talk, man. I tell you the truth. I just I was a grinder. I just wanted to just like you know do my best for my teammates, for the coaches, for the city. You know that's all I. That's all I wanted to do. Um, you know I just want the fans to know that you know I, I put my heart and soul into that team, and I was a grinder. You know everybody was you know, my year, my year especially 08. That was the like you said, it was a turning point of like the Arizona program. So it was it was cool building uh building a program with Stoops and all the guys that came in with me and before me. So what do you uh what are you up to now, Keola? I know you recently got married. Uh just talk yeah. you, know, you know, talk a little bit about maybe about your, your bride and then other what else are you up to these days? Oh yeah, I just yeah, we just got married in December. Um congratulations. You know, I appreciate appreciate it. we got married in Hawaii. It was you know, during the pandemic, it was pretty tough. You know, you got a lot of restrictions and all that, especially in Hawaii. So it's just a little island. You know, you only can do so much out there. But we had a little small intimate wedding out there. You know, our family was out there and all that. Uh, with me, I went – I went to – I tried to coach. I was, like, coaching at Gorman for a little bit about a few years back, and I thought I wanted to do that. But uh, coaching and playing is totally different. <laughs> it's really different. And now I'm trying to get my EMT right now. This guy just take the – the National Registry test out here, and then hopefully get into the fire department out here or anywhere. Shoot, maybe I come back to Arizona or Tucson and be a firefighter out there. I don't we, know. Well, you, I'll tell you what, we got you got some connections because Barrett Baker, who played for U of A back in the 90s, he, he's a, uh, I forget his, a battalion chief, I think, of the Tucson Fire Department. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. And then, and then uh, Scooby Wright, who I'm sure you're, you've heard of as well. He, yeah, uh, Scooby he's, Wright, yeah. He's working on becoming a firefighter as well. So it's, uh, you, oh. you've got some connections there. Oh, so hey, I gotta shoot you a text. I gotta tell you, uh, you know, give me some contest and call some people and see what I can do out there. Let's get him back to Tucson, Shane. I mean, let's come on. Let's, <laughs> let's, get, let's get Barrett up because I mean, Keola hasn't been to a game in ten years. We gotta fix that. Ten so. years, I gotta come back. Yeah, yeah, I, we I gotta, gotta fix I gotta, that. That's not fair. I gotta That's bring the fair. wife out there to Tucson. I don't know if she want to go to Tucson. I heard Tucson's getting built up now. I don't know. You wouldn't recognize she might it. Like it out there. You wouldn't no? recognize it. No, I mean, around the campus, everything is like. They have these these buildings that are uh, like these apartment complexes. It, it's like high rises everywhere around campus. <laughs> I think I new buildings every time you walk on campus. 
I mean, we go down, I go down there for a lot of the games and you, you're like, every time you go down there, it's, it's different. And so oh, you, wow. would, you wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize certain areas. It's crazy. I, I don't even, I don't even recognize the stadium. We have grass. No. You guys got turf now. That's right. Nice little bowl, you know, it's just the new, you guys got your own weight room now. The full ticket, the own weight room. That's right. The local facility was built after you'd left. Yeah. Well, not yeah. only that, but then they have the practice field too, which is oh, where the right. baseball the stadium field? was. Yeah, yeah. They actually have an In- indoor facility now. It's great. indoor facility. Yeah, we needed that back in the day when it was like 110 out there trying to do cap. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> hey, that made you tougher though. That made you tougher. Well, hey, you're right. But you know, Kilo, it was great to great to have you on. It's great to catch up with you. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, were big fans of your play back in the day. And we will always remember you fondly as a Wildcat. We'd love to get you back down to Tucson. More importantly, uh, when, we, uh, when we do some recaps in the fall of football games, we'd love to have you on. Just come in and talk a little football with us. Talk about U of A, what you're seeing uh, as a former running back, and just give us some uh, give us some uh, tips on what they need to do better. Uh, oh, for sure. For sure, yeah. For sure. I'm down to do that. I would love to do that. A lot of fun to talk to both Matt Moreno, who's a, a, a great resource of information. He's an encyclopedia, as I said. And Keola Antolin, uh, Shane, you know, just good to catch up with him. He is uh, really an engaging guy. Would love to have him come on in the fall and break down some games with us. But, you know, it's kind of fun to catch up with some of these old older players and, and have them reminisce about their careers in a Wildcats uniform. And if you happen to work for a fire department or know people who are hiring, hook Keola up, man. Kiola is looking to become a firefighter like uh, like Scooby was. I actually don't know if Scooby Wright's still playing on that because I got an offer from the CFL. I need to follow up with him to see if that's going to happen or not. So I, I gotta tell I gotta tell you something here. I got a I got a note from Scooby the other day, and, and he asked me a question, and I wanted to bring it up here on the podcast tonight. Okay. Uh, he said, "Do you think I will ever be in the College Football Hall of Fame?" And it made me think. You know, Arizona has has a few members of the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Most recently, Rob Waldrop, Teddy Bruschi, and Chuck Cecil. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what the criteria of being a College Football Hall of Famer uh, is. And, and I'll just tell you what that what that is, Shane. And then you tell me if you think uh, Scooby Wright is a Hall of Famer. A uh, player must have received major first team All America recognition. Check. Player becomes eligible for consideration 10 years after his last year of intercollegiate football played. So that would be 2025. Mm-hmm. Football achievements are considered first, but the post-football record as a citizen is also weighted. Scooby's an ideal citizen. Players must have played their last year of intercollegiate football within the last 50 years. Well, duh. And the nominee must have ended his professional athletic career prior to the time of that nomination. Based on that, it sounds like Scooby Wright's going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame within the next 20 years, right? The decision that is going to have to be made with him is quality versus quantity because the quality is obviously there. He racked up all so many national awards in 2014. He did so much. He was an all, a consensus All-American. Arizona has very few of those. Uh, but, you know, he played two seasons, two seasons and change. You know, 2013, he was good. He was not All-American in 2013, but he was good. He was getting there. In 2015, he didn't play very much. He was the MVP, I believe, of the uh, New Mexico Bowl, and he came back and ended on a high note. But I don't really know what the precedent is. You know, I, I think of you know comparisons to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and one comparison, I know it's kind of a sloppy one, but I'm going to make it anyway, is Kurt Warner, who mm-hmm. didn't have a very long career, but you know, he, I guess he was a you know NFL MVP. He was a Super Bowl MVP. Terrell Davis, same thing. Terrell Davis as well. So. You know, I, it's hard to compare apples to apples that way because, you know, a short NFL career is like seven or eight years versus maybe two years uh, at the collegiate level. Obviously, I'm biased. I think Scooby should be in. But how how often do guys who have one incredible season and then maybe, you know, one or two good seasons get in? I'm asking that rhetorically because I really don't know the answer. Well, and he agrees with you. Um, you know, he agreed with your point uh, last week uh, on the show when we were talking about the the top 80 uh, college football defenders and, you know, him being in the 50s. I, I thought he should have been in the 30s or, or higher than that. But as far as one season uh, as a defensive player, I don't think many players in the history of college football had a better single defensive season than Scooby Wright. And to Hopefully me, not. that's what makes a Hall of Famer. I, I know I'm biased. I, I like the guy. He's a good dude. And he's an Arizona Wildcat, but he's a Hall of Famer in my book. And I hope uh, those who make the decision will see that in the next uh, 15 to 20 years. All right, Shane, it is time for our favorite uh, time, or one of my favorite times of the week. And that is your all-sports wrap-up, which 
I have a feeling it's going to be pretty darn good this week. I'll tell you what, the the day that, that Arizona reached the Elite Eight, so many good things happened. You know, softball team earned a win. Baseball earned a big win over Oregon. A couple of things happened. I'll, I'll try to recap it real quick because we've got a, kind of a long show tonight. Uh, baseball took two or three from a ranked Oregon team last weekend. They're now three and three in Pac-12 play. They have an RPI of 11 nationally, which is fantastic. Uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel Susak was named Pac-12 Player of the Week. He had a couple of multi-home run games last week. So uh, Wildcats looking up up after opening uh, conference play with two out of three losses to UCLA. They've got a three-game series up here in Phoenix against the Sun Devils this weekend. They play the Devils down, down in Tucson for one game on Tuesday after that. I don't know why that happens. I don't make the schedule, but it is what it is. Softball team earned a four-game sweep of Oregon State at home. Uh, speaking of Pac-12 players of the week, we got one of those in the softball team as well. Uh, Alyssa Palomino Cardoza. Hit 727, which is pretty good, with a couple home runs in that series against OSU. Uh, They had the Stanford for a four-game set this weekend. Our beach volleyball team won three of four meetings last weekend. They fell 3-2 to Stanford, a very good Stanford team, but they uh, easily beat Oregon, Utah, and the Sun Devils. They moved up one spot to number 13 nationally. They'll take on UC Davis, Missouri State, Pepperdine, and GCU, which they've already beaten this year, this weekend at the Arizona Invitational. Our indoor volleyball team lost a close match to USC in its home finale. They closed out their season at Washington State. Soccer team allowed a late goal in the one nothing loss at USC on Friday. They'll take on Cal and Stanford at home this weekend. But I'm going to finish off with some good news, Eric. Okay. Our men's tennis team is back on the right track. They swept, great. They swept USC and UCLA last weekend. A couple of huge wins. Arizona, was, they were previously 1-72 mm. all-time against the Bruins. And not much better against the Trojans. So they continue to have their best season in over 40 years. Uh, women's tennis team scored a pair of wins over New Mexico State. And finally, the gymnastics team will open its NCAA postseason run against Temple on Thursday. So best of luck to the Gym Cats. Yes, best of luck to the Gym Cats. And congrats to Coach uh, Shields on the men's tennis team. Outstanding accomplishment. I guess playing tennis with Jed Fish is not a bad thing. Great news. Great turnaround from last week. Uh, really Fun show, um, but before we go, Shane, it's time to make picks, both on the men's side and the women's side uh, for college basketball. Let's start on the women's side. Um, who is going to win the national championship? Let me just start with this real quick. On my Facebook uh, memories that popped up two years ago today, you and I, Eric, were on In the Ring on ABC 15. Oh, really? And predicting the final four because the final four was coming up, and you thought it was going to be Michigan State that won the whole thing. I said, no, I think it's going to be Virginia over Texas Tech. And I have to mention that I was right about that because our, our first topic that on that show was whether the Cardinals should draft Kyler Murray or keep Josh Rosen. And I was and on I the hit that one. You got that one. So I think that one counts like 10 times more than me. No, nah, I don't know about that. I, you hit the champion, so that's okay. That's, that's good. True. We're even there. That's true. And my, my wife won the our uh, uh, tournament pool that year as well. So uh, shout out to her. She knows nothing about college hoops, and she completely smoked me, of course. Of course. Uh, okay, women's tournament. Um, I got to roll with Stanford. Yeah, I, me too. Yep. Stanford is uh, – you, you look at the net rankings. UConn is number two. Stanford's number one. And I think Stanford, uh, Arizona played better against Stanford the second time around. They held them to 62 points, but it wasn't enough. I think the Cardinal – are on a mission. I think they win the whole thing. I'd love to see Stanford in Arizona for, for round three. Um, I'm going to lean with UConn. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hopefully I'm you know keep lighting a fire under the women's team, and you know they love being the underdogs. Uh, but yeah, I think Stanford probably wins it all. Boy, if the if the women can if the UA women can win it uh, next week, we will celebrate and party on next week's Wildcat Country. Just like you know UCLA is probably doing on the men's side. How about that? They were a first four team in, and now they're in the final four. Uh, beating a two-seed Alabama and a one-seed Michigan in the uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Do they have any chance against Gonzaga? And does anybody have a chance against Gonzaga? My original pick was Michigan, so I was not rooting for UCLA. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Big Ten is is what it is. Um, you know what? I kind of like Baylor. Really? I kind of like Baylor now. Yeah, I, I originally had Michigan over Houston in the championship game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that now to Baylor over Gonzaga. I, I think the Zags... Uh, are going to pull a New England Patriots and, and and finish with one loss, and that loss is going to be in the championship game. Now you see that I am in first place in our large bracket pool. Yeah, whatever. I've had a very good uh, tournament making picks, even though I had Illinois over Baylor in the uh, Final Four uh, and and Gonzaga over Alabama. But Gonzaga is going undefeated. They are that good. They absolutely took it to USC. Uh, great to see the Pac-12. Three teams in the Elite Eight. USC fell short. Oregon State rallied and had a great comeback against Houston, really had a chance there at the end. 
But UCLA, representing the Pac-12, thank you for making us look good. Pac-12 is the highlight of college basketball. Two teams in the women's Final Four, one in the men's Final Four. But Gonzaga, out on the West Coast as well, is the best team in college basketball and will cap an undefeated season with a victory over Baylor in the championship game. Shane, it's been a a great show. Uh, Really excited for our women's team. Uh, Great to talk to Matt Moreno and Keola Antolin. And, of course, catching up on everything else going on in Arizona sports. So thank you for another fun show. For my co-host Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. As always, bear down and go U of A women's basketball.